Have you ever heard the saying, it takes money to make money? Or have you ever recorded and published a bunch of mixes in hopes to build up your following so that way you could finally attract some booked gigs and get paid to do what you love? Because ultimately that's what we wanted to do in the first place, right? I know your pain. I've been there before. And that's the reason why I want to send you a special invite to my brand new live virtual event. It's happening on May 5th, and it's called the Booked DJs Bootcamp. Inside this live virtual event, we're going to unfold my unique P4X method, which will help you create a promotion plan that pays you to attract your dream clients and book more gigs. Yes, you heard that right. It's a promotion plan that actually gets you paid to attract your dream clients so that way you can finally book more gigs. And by the way, I'm going to hook you up with some awesome bonuses as well. First and foremost, you're going to get access to our exclusive Bootcampers only private Facebook group where you're going to be able to connect with myself and the rest of my team to help answer any questions that you may have and even offer feedback throughout the entire event. You're also going to get a bonus access to our Mindset Hacks Masterclass to help you overcome any limiting beliefs and prepare you to have a money-making mindset, all right? Another bonus I'm going to hook you up with is our fill-in-the-blank blueprint that provides you an action plan to follow that immediately attracts more paid gigs. Also, I'm going to give you access to our downloadable templates and worksheets that practically do the work for you so that way you can make this promotion plan super easy. Another thing I'm going to give you is I understand life gets busy. You may not be able to attend all sessions live because I am going to be teaching every single session live, but I'm also going to give you access to our private members only portal that will host all of the workshop replays and also resources for the life of the program. Okay. In addition to that, another bonus I'm going to hook you up with is our event vault that will provide you with a list of event themes and holidays for your promotion plan and future gigs. We can literally create more opportunities out of other opportunities, okay? That's what the Event Vault's gonna help you with. And the last bonus I'm gonna hook you up with is also our event prep checklist because you're gonna have all sorts of gigs after this bootcamp, okay? And really this, this event prep checklist will empower you to never forget any important details or piece of equipment when arriving to your gigs ever again. If you're interested in joining us, go ahead and sign up at djuniversity.com slash bootcamp for just $27. And by the way, I'm gonna give you my 10 times money back guarantee, which really is that if you don't feel like you received 10 times the value in money-making ideas, concepts, and things that you can implement, by the end of day one, you may ask for a full refund by the start of day two, okay? I mean that because I want to make sure that you literally get $270 worth of value out of this by and before the end of day one. All right, come join us, dguniversity.com slash bootcamp. All right, let's get into this interview. 
How do you become a DJ and create an incredibly successful lifestyle while everyone around you doesn't even believe it's possible? That's the big question. And this podcast will give you the answer. Welcome to the DJ University Podcast. DJ University Podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Ben from DJ University, and welcome to the DJ University Podcast. Today, we have another awesome guest. His name is Jason Wentworth. He is an entrepreneur, yogi, fitness geek, tree climber, and a father of a beautiful girl. And lastly, he's also a really awesome friend of mine. What's up, Jason? How are you doing, man? Hey, Ben. Happy to be here. Hey, thank you so much for joining the podcast, man. Uh, I am so excited about this conversation because uh, we usually have some really, really deep and just intentional conversations. And I feel like the listeners could really benefit from just your brain, to be honest. <laughs> oh, that's really nice of you. I hope that we can uh, channel some of that and you know, provide something of value for your listeners. Oh man, I, I am encouraged and I'm, I'm hopeful. Uh, so real quick, before we get into the conversation, give the listeners a little bit of a background on you so that way they know who they're listening to. Okay. Um, so my name is Jason and I live in California. Um, I had kind of a rough childhood growing up. Um, both of my parents struggled with addiction um, of various forms. Um, and I was emancipated when I was 16 years old. I just immediately went to work, started working 40 hours a week and homeschooling, basically teaching myself. Um, I didn't graduate until I was 20 because of that, but it was worth it to have the independence and to have income. Um, I had my own apartment when I was 16 years old. So I was really independent right off the, out of the gate. And uh, I had to learn how to be really resourceful and creative in order to get by as a kid. Didn't have a lot of resources. Um, so in the past... I've had, I'm like a jack of all trades, master of none, but I'd say the most significant careers and life experience and things that I have that are relevant to your users would be, um, I owned a landscaping company for two years, um, a restaurant I worked in, um, and managed, and then later became part owner of a really big restaurant. And that was about five years total. And, um, after doing that for five years, um, I realized that I just, I wasn't really like doing things with my life that were in line with my passions and my beliefs and my morals as a person, I was just kind of chasing a paycheck. And, um, so I decided to much to everybody's surprise, just sort of detach myself as part owner of that restaurant, even though, you know, it was pulling in several million dollars a year and it could have turned into a very lucrative opportunity. I decided that I wanted to be happy instead. So it took a lot of doing and a lot of sacrifice, but I just kind of undid that. Um, and after that, you know, I really, uh, after I left the restaurant, I kind of left it up to faith. I just, I put it out there that I wanted something new in my life that was more meaningful. I wasn't exactly sure what that was yet, but I just started saying yes to things and trying a lot of different stuff. And over the course of a year, I had like three different jobs. Um, and when none of them were working out and I was at my wits end, I just kind of stayed positive and put it out there again. And uh, the job that I have now, which is now my career, and it's something that I love to do, as a, as a tree climber and I'm training to be an arborist right now, that just fell into my lap because I just, I had a good attitude and I just kind of kept thinking forward, you know, and even though my situation was pretty bleak because I hadn't been making a lot of money that year amongst a bunch of other things, I believe that just a positive attitude is, is the only reason why I'm in the position I'm in today. Um, I refused to settle. I didn't want to have a normal job. I didn't want to be a normal person, you know, with a nine to five that was just drained and, uh, there's this nice um, saying, it's like a lot of nine to five jobs. If you're not doing something you love, it's like a cheese grater for your soul. 
<laughs> so like that, yeah, that really resonated with me. And I certainly felt that way at the restaurant. I was like, man, what am I doing? You know, there's gotta be a better way. Um, and you know, because I was willing to step away from that and make sacrifices, I actually ended up with a new career where, um, I can make more money and I'm much, much happier, but, uh, there was a lot of trouble I had to go in in between that. Um, and then last I got an eight year old, um, little girl and her and I are super close. I'm a full-time dad. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's me in a nutshell. I think covered almost everything. So there's a couple of things I want to touch on. First and foremost, uh, the restaurant that Jason was working at uh, as a general manager and then ultimately became a partner, that's how him and I actually got to know each other. So we were actually doing business together. He was managing the restaurant and then our company, the DJ company, was actually uh, performing events there on the weekend. And that's kind of like the introduction. And then since then, we've just literally stayed in touch and it's grown into a really, really awesome and close friendship, uh, which I'm super grateful of. The second thing that I also wanted to touch on was how uh, you are a man of many trades and many skills. And some of the listeners right now, since you know majority of them are really DJs, right? They may be asking themselves, why, why is Ben asking all of these random people on a DJ podcast? What is a tree climber or a restaurant manager? Or uh, I guess you know James was a, a rapper and a, a songwriter but even a fitness coach, what do they have to do with DJing, right? One thing yeah. I've learned in my career is that I've actually been able to adopt so many amazing principles, strategies, and just awesome ideas from other industries that I was able to cross apply into ours. And so that's what I'm trying to inspire the DJ industries to think outside of the box, try to get knowledge, not from just the same people in our industry, but try to like, revitalize or evolutionize our industry by adding some new stuff to to the overall uh you know dj game so that being said we're going to learn a lot from jason today and i have a feeling that his tree climbing experience will actually bring a lot more to the table than you think so my next question actually for you is how do you overcome fear because i can only imagine like we live out in the redwoods, right? So it's the tallest tree in the world. And this guy climbs these trees, which I mean, just even a standard tree is already scary, right? Especially if you're scared of heights. But could you imagine a tree that's hundreds of feet tall and just looking down on the ground and go, oh, you know, if I fell down, I'd, I'd splat. <laughs> how do you overcome fear? Man, that's a, that's a really good question. And I think that that's, that's something that I'm, really well equipped to talk about. And I think that most importantly for your listeners, um, starting a new endeavor, like say quitting your job to try to become a DJ, or even just um, trying to change the DJing that you're already doing and adopt some different principles and maybe some different strategies that can be really scary. Um, there's an element of sacrifice there, like you have to go into it knowing that it might not work out and you have to be okay with the consequences. Um, so I, you know, I think that for anybody starting a small business, DJing or, or what have you, or making any big change, fear is always an obstacle whenever we're trying to make moves and, um, you know, progress in our lives. There's always going to be things we're afraid of. Absolutely. So, yeah, um, I was not, you know, I was a pretty average person as far as fear goes when I started climbing the trees, but the thing that got me started on it was just positive self-talk. So I didn't think too far ahead if when I would run into an obstacle initially, when I started to climb trees, um, where I would start being afraid and stuff, 
I would disregard that that internal dialogue of, of being afraid and I would replace it with something better like positive self-talk. So literally there were there have been times where I've been climbing up a tree, um, not anymore because I've been at it for a while now, but when I first started, I would be in the middle of climbing a tree and in my head freaking out, right? Like 50 feet up off the ground once in a while, you look down, you realize how high you are or the wind blows or one of your spikes slips out of the tree. So you slip a little bit, right? And just like that, you're uncomfortable again, right? And there have been so many times where saying something as simple as I can do this has gotten me through situations where I literally was like thinking I was going to freak out and I wasn't going to be able to finish climbing the tree, right? really scary situations where there's a lot of uncertainty, just having something really simple, like a positive self-talk or an affirmation saying, I can do this when it seems really hard. Or sometimes um, just in, for me specifically climbing a tree, just saying the word up, right? Because fears and obstacles are really complex. And we're usually thinking ahead when we're afraid of something. And you can just go wild and make something relatively simple into something really big and scary. And I think that the remedy to that or something that can really help is to take all that big, scary stuff and make it something really simple. So something as simple as positive self-talk, no matter what obstacle you're in, it seems kind of cliche and cheesy, but that just that one thing in itself, when I first started to climb, got me up 100 foot tall trees when I didn't think I was going to be able to do it. And I was really afraid and I had a bunch of people watching me, you know? (laughs) So uh, that would be my number one go-to for overcoming fear is start with something simple like positive self-talk. The other thing would be breathing. When you're feeling afraid, you're in a certain state of mind. Um, And what I've learned over the last few years from practicing and studying yoga and some Eastern traditions is that your mind and your breath are connected very intimately. And you can... um, you can really change whatever mental state you're in by just considering how you're breathing. So for a lot of these guys, I don't know, it could be the prospect of starting out as a DJ is really scary. And they're having moments where they're doubting themselves. If they replace that doubt or that fear with some self-talk and just go, how am I breathing? And they just try to take a couple of deep breaths and get more in the habit of breathing properly. That will help immensely too. Um, and then I would say the last thing is just focus on the task ahead and and be present and don't think ahead too much, you know, because you don't know what's going to happen in the future and you might not be in the best headspace in any one current moment to decide if something's actually worth being afraid of or not. So just focusing on the work at hand, like let's say a DJ's at a show and they're having equipment troubles or they can't get a song to load or their laptop crashed, right? Like I'm assuming that stuff happens sometimes, especially when they're first starting out. Or even just the worry of that happening, right? Yeah, totally. You know, if it happens, you know, do what you can to make it better, but don't think ahead. That generally doesn't serve you, especially not when you're afraid. That's what fear is all about. It's trying to anticipate the unknown. And if you look at that objectively, that's kind of crazy. Like, the unknown is unknown, right? Like there's no way to know for sure what's going to happen. So sometimes just, you know, having the mental control and the discipline to just be present and not think ahead. That's what gets me up big giant trees and back down to the ground safely is just, I'm not thinking that the branch might break and I might die. Right. I'm only thinking that when I'm 
checking the branch out to tie the rope in. And then once I've done my part, it's not in my hands anymore. And I just choose not to worry about it anymore. So it really is like a mental discipline. You just have to control your focus and keep it on what you're doing. Man, if your mind isn't blown right now, and if you didn't extract any value from what Jason just said, I don't know what will. So um, like, I sh like I told you, right, we just talked about it, that we're trying to get people from outside the industry to inspire our industry. And this is a person who is now a tree climber, but has lots of entrepreneurial experience and business experience as well that can help us. Um, but look at what he just did. He literally took his facing fear of climbing a tall tree, his shoe spike slipping, the wind blowing in the wrong way, where it could get really scary. And he applied it to what you may be dealing with, right? It's incredible. So thank you. Um, I really appreciate that. <laughs> I know the listeners yeah. as well. I hope it's helpful. Um, foundations are what, you know, whatever your foundations are, the same way you conduct yourself doing one thing is how you'll conduct yourself doing all things. Most so, definitely. you know, yeah, if it's valuable to one of your listeners who's banking right now, um, the idea of overcoming fear or what have you, then it, that's applicable as a DJ as well. Oh, yeah. And you know, yeah like a variety of DJs that listen to this podcast. I would say there's people who are just getting into the game, right? And they are facing all sorts of fear, especially the fear of the unknown because they've never done it before, right? As a beginner. And then mm -hmm. there are some who are veterans, right? But they still have the fear of the technology advancements that are happening, the industry advancements that are happening, the the times are changing, right? Um, yes. I've even talked to uh, some DJs that have been in the game longer than myself or even longer than I've been alive for, right? And they still have <laughs> fear. So really, we are all dealing with fear. It's just a matter of how you overcome that fear. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Couldn't say it better myself. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd love to uh, switch some gears here. I'd love to sure. ask, um, do you have a daily routine that keeps you focused and, and energized and productive? Oh, these are great questions. It's almost like you know me or something. Um, yeah, I think that for anybody who's trying to perform at their best, um, this is another thing that I've learned from studying yoga and, and Eastern philosophy and stuff. And it's also kind of like common knowledge too, especially amongst the older generation. Um, if you're trying to perform your best and feel your best, um, routines and habits and consistency in, in, your in your daily activities are huge right yeah. um fundamentally so like when i'm when i'm trying to coach people on health and nutrition i don't even ask them about a lot of things that people normally ask them about the first thing i ask them is how what are your sleeping habits like mm -hmm. right so if i could tell your listeners anything um, that would, that would help them as far as, you know, like having routines and stuff, it would be pay attention to your sleep, your stress, your diet. And then the last thing would be your fun. Um, those four things, if you make sure that you're spending adequate time on them each and every day, and you have consistent routines and little rituals that meet those needs, you'll be feeling your best. If you're sleeping well, you're getting the correct amount of sleep. You're doing things to make sure that your sleep is restful. It's good deep sleep. Um, that carries over to every aspect of your life, right? If you're monitoring your stress, if you have some sort of a way some, of measuring what your stress is, 
um, on any given day. That's something I'm very familiar with because of the tree climbing. It's both the mental and physical stress that goes along with that, right? Yeah. Um, if you have a, a good, reliable way to manage your stress, just be aware of what stress level your body is at physically or mentally and how you're feeling. And then you take steps to mitigate that. That will translate and carry over into every aspect of your life. Um, diet, that's kind of a no-brainer. You know, we are what we eat. Um, if you're eating crappy food or you're not eating enough, or you're eating too late at night, you know, and not obeying the natural circadian rhythm of your body, you're not going to feel your best. Nothing is going to work optimally if your diet's not, you know, at least decent. Um, and there's so many resources available now with the internet and stuff. It's really easy to get some basic education for yourself on how to eat appropriately and how to figure out how to eat for your specific body type and everything. Right. And, um, the last thing is fun. Just make sure that you have, uh, have fun every day. It, that sounds really cheesy, but I think we're also caught up and worried about being adults and making money in our careers and impressing everybody and blah, blah, blah. It's really easy to forget to just like do stuff that just brings you joy for no reason. Um, and I've been, there's been periods in my life where I swear I, I went like over a year without doing that because I was so focused on other stuff. Yeah. So yeah, if, if we're taking time to laugh every day and making sure that we're finding something that we enjoy and we're creating even the smallest amount of time for things that we enjoy, um, that's going to have a positive translation to or everything else that we do, right? So those four things every day, sleep, eat correctly, check in with your stress and make sure you have a good time doing something. So I would say out of those four things, the last one is the one that comes probably the easiest to us is having fun, right? Because we're literally making a living doing what we love to do. It's a huge passion, yeah. right? However, the first three are probably the biggest challenges to us. Sleep mm -hmm. because our job keeps us up late at night, right? The stress because there's the noise stress of like, you know, overwhelming loud music, right? Uh, mm -hmm. The stress of just performance, right? There's a lot of um, endorphins and um, I'm assuming some sort of chemicals that are going off of just being nervous, you know, performing in front of a large crowd, for instance, and having that fear of uh, <clears throat> caution of potentially messing up because we're doing things live. There's no second chance, right? So there's yeah. a certain level of stress. Also, lots of lighting, which tends to be blue light, right? Which usually keeps us awake longer and actually hinders the, the deep sleep, right? And yes. Lastly, diet, right? So depending on what kind of DJ you are, if you're a nightclub or bar DJ, you're around alcohol, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> you're also up late at night. So you're usually you know, hungry after performing because, I mean, physically, it's actually pretty demanding as well. Uh, not only the performance side, but also the breakdown and then the loading of the gear after the gig, right? So mm -hmm. you, on the way home, you're pretty hungry. So um, do you have any sort of pointers or advice to give to the DJs that are dealing with the challenges of those three things of stress, you know, diet, and also um, sleep? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I When you were saying those things, I was like, oh, I've got some suggestions. <laughs> um so in no particular order, um, caffeine, um, I think that it's caffeine can be really helpful, but it can also become a hindrance if you become dependent on it. Um, and it can severely disrupt your sleeping. So DJs are actually like in a perfect environment. They're kind of being set up to fail as far as having good, healthy sleep habits. Right. I know that 
I've worked in bars as a bartender before I owned a bar for a while. And I also worked as a bouncer. Um, so I'm familiar with staying up till three or four in the morning sometimes. And I recall how, how difficult that was. Um, so, so, so let, let's go back to uh, caffeine. Um, monitor how much caffeine you have on any given day. And on the days where you're not working a late gig, try to have less, right? Um, that's really, really important. If you're just pounding caffeine all the time, you're going to end up you know, becoming dependent on it. It's not going to help you when you need it, right? So use caffeine as needed and be relatively aware of how many milligrams of caffeine you're consuming a day. It's really easy to keep track, right? It's on the nutrition labels and then coffee is between, you know, 60 to 80 milligrams per eight ounce cup, depending on the roast. So keep track of your caffeine and use it as needed. The second thing, um, you brought up the blue lights, right? So there's not much that we can really do about that, but that is a really big deal because that's sending the wrong, wrong signal to your brain about when you should be awake and when you should be asleep. And that's going to disrupt hormones and everything else. Um, the only thing I can really think what's up. Blue blockers might be a thing, right? That's the only thing I could think to suggest. Um, the other option would be on your computer. If you have a Mac or a, or a, uh, um, a windows PC, either built into the operating system is a blue light filter that you can actually turn on and off. Okay. And um, then there are third party programs that you can download that will filter the blue light on your screen. Um, and I think that's going to be the, the most, the biggest part of it, right. Is staring at your, your laptop all night while you're working the table. I would say also the lights, you know, the, the dance floor lighting or the club. Lighting yeah. That's, you know, I think the, yeah, um, blue block, blue light um, spectrum blocking glasses are becoming more popular now. It'd probably be really easy for anybody to find a pair that actually looks halfway decent. You know, they could like pull it off and and make it look good. But uh, blue light blocking glasses, and then getting software on on their uh, computer just to help reduce the amount of blue light exposure they're getting. Also, your cell phones, same thing. Um, there's blue light filters built into those too. That's called a uh, night mode on the iOS. Do you mind breaking down like the science behind blue light and why that's a thing for those of those the listeners that don't know what that is? Yeah. Um, so if anybody's a nerd like me and they really like this stuff, go on to YouTube and search for Dr. Sachin Panda and circadian rhythm. And there's a TED talk on there. And the gentleman, the three guys that were doing this research, I think it was in 2017, and they were nominated for a Nobel Prize because of this research about the effect of light on your body about the science surrounding the circadian rhythm or the natural rhythms and hormonal cycles that we go through each and every day. Um, so just go and watch that. If you're really interested in this stuff and you want to be optimum and feel your best while you're performing or just in general. Um, so blue light and white light and like the whole spectrum of light. The basic idea is that before we had artificial lights, which was for a lot longer than we've had artificial lights, our bodies relied pretty heavily on the sun to tell us when we should be awake and when we should go to sleep, right? So now we have science that shows us that what times we go to bed and wake up are directly related to what times the sun goes up and comes down. And it's the way that we sense the light through our eyes, okay? So if somebody is asleep and the sunlight starts pouring into their bedroom, then they're going to wake up, right? Same thing. If you leave somebody in a dark room where there's no light, eventually they're going to fall asleep or at the very least they'll start to be tired. Right. So the reason it's, <clears throat> this is all relevant to the DJs because they're staying up at night, which goes against 
you know, your circadian rhythm, hundred percent people say they're night owls and stuff, but a lot of the time those people are hormonally really unstable or usually have like, you know, some other health problems. Humans are not night owls. <laughs> You're supposed to be asleep at night. So that becomes especially important for your DJs because they want to do everything that they can to prepare themselves for bed right after they're done performing. They want to be in a state where they can just go home and crash so they can get as much sleep as possible. Um, so that's why the blue light filtering glasses and all the other stuff we talked about come into play. They don't necessarily need to have them on for the whole performance, but they are all, um, you can put all the, all that software on timers and stuff so that at least like 30 minutes before they're done performing, maybe it kicks on that way their body can start to go, Oh, no light, you know, prepare for sleep. And then hopefully by the time they're done putting their gear away and whatever, they can go home and crash out and sleep halfway decently. Yeah. So does yeah. it take very long to go into that state? Um, it depends on, there's so many different factors, but for a person with a normal healthy schedule, which is not the DJs, um, I can't speak on behalf of them, 30 to 45 minutes when we're doing sleep training, where you're setting your environment and taking necessary steps to tell your body it's time for bed. The recommended time is 30 to 45 minutes, roughly. Gotcha. So, I mean, really for those DJs then, what what uh, might be a great way to, to go about it is, you know, perform without blue blockers, which are just, again, those blue blocking light glasses that you can get on Amazon and various other places online. They're fairly affordable. I actually have a pair myself that I just got off Amazon for like less than 20 bucks. Of course, it's really nice ones as well. Um, but, you know, really perform the entire gig without glasses on and then throw on your blue blockers during breakdown. And then the drive home as well, that's already going to take 30 to 45 minutes by the time that you get home and into your bed, right? So like to brush your teeth and all that kind of stuff, like it's all going to take some time. So hopefully you're blocking the blue light during that duration. So that way when you do, when your head touches the pillow, you're ready to be in an optimal sleep, um, I guess, phase. Yeah, yeah. You're physiologically, you're doing everything in your power to tell your body that we need to go to bed soon. And then timing the caffeine right? Figure out, you know, if you're still wired when you're done performing, like I'm, you know, for some people, I'm sure that's normal and they'll have to come up with a wind down routine, but don't be drinking caffeine, you know, at one or two o'clock in the morning, if you're only performing until three or, you know, what have you. Caffeine usually has a six to eight hour half-life in most like healthy adults. So that means if you, if you're drinking it at 10 o'clock, it's still working in your system at 4am, mm. right? So timing the caffeine too. And then what you said about the blue light blocking glasses, I love that. And then um, just, you know, making your room really dark. Mm. Like I've got these blackout curtains behind me. You, you can't see it. You can only hear it, but you see these, they're blackout curtains. So when you pull them shut, even in the middle of the day, it's really dark. Um, and then keep your room cool. If they do all of those things, um, that will help them get to sleep faster when they get done work, um, working a gig. And then the other thing I would encourage them to do is take naps and don't like feel guilty about it. Don't feel like you're being lazy or anything. Remember that you're working in an industry and a profession where sleep is a constant, you know, battle for you and become a master of napping, you know, set aside time to take naps. When you feel tired, go take a nap. No shame, you know, take care of your body, make up for that sleep. Love it. Love it. So what about diet? So, uh, one thing that I'd love to kind of segue on is the caffeine, um, conversation, and mm -hmm. also now introduce diet as well. So if we're going to stop drinking caffeine or consuming caffeine, you know, six hours before bedtime, for instance, because it has a half-life, right? Um, mm -hmm. What's another alternative 
that a you know a DJ could take to make sure that they're energized during their performance, and also make sure to have a, a healthy diet as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, so an alternative to caffeine. Uh, this is going to sound crazy, but there's science. So you know, if anybody is like a little unsure about what I'm saying, I'll do my best to like stick to what I know. But just go and do your own research. Okay. Um, I would recommend nicotine. Really? I know it sounds crazy, um, right? Nicotine has a really bad rap because it's a naturally occurring substance and who knows, possibly added. Um, so like tobacco has um, nicotine naturally occurring. So everybody associates it with cigarettes, mm -hmm. right? And nicotine is the addictive substance found in cigarettes and blah, 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 blah. And it's this horrible thing, right? Well, we have a lot of science right now. There's a lot of research that's happening on nicotine that's showing that it's helping with neurodegenerative disorders. So like people with Alzheimer's disease and stuff, it's like okay. helping ease the effects of that. Um, and if you go and you look on, on uh, PubMed and you just look around a little bit, you'll see that in long-term studies and stuff, nicotine by itself in the absence of a cigarette is actually not bad for you. There's not any science saying that it's causing that it's hyper addictive, right? I mean, with any substance that's a stimulant, like caffeine, for example, or even like video games or what, what have you, it's going to be addictive if there's a reward associated. So you have to have willpower with it, but there's no scientific research that shows that nicotine is an addictive or habit forming substance. Okay. Um, and then the other thing is it's a very, very potent neurostimulant. It's for some people, like for myself, it's more effective than coffee. It's like a better buzz than coffee. It gets me in the zone if I need to climb a big scary tree and I can't quite talk myself through, it helps me focus. Right. Or if I have a day where I'm just really not feeling good and I've got to, you know, I've got to climb a big giant tree and I'm just not feeling it. Nicotine gets me in that space immediately. And it doesn't have a six to eight hour half-life. It wears off pretty quickly after you take it. Okay. So the best part about it is it's really cheap and affordable. It's available at like any gas station in the United States. They come in little pouches. And if you're, and if the DJs are really lagging, they're struggling, they're not on point with their set, their transitions between songs are not good. They're forgetting things, making mistakes, or they just need a little boost, like you were saying, but they don't want to drink more caffeine. Nicotine could be a great alternative. Um, just go for anybody listening, go and buy some of the pouches anywhere at a drugstore or a gas station, and just give it a try before you use it while you're performing. Obviously put one in your mouth for a little while, just say two to three minutes, take it out, see how you feel and uh, go from there. And then as with all stimulants, right, and things that change your neurochemistry, proceed with caution and respect, don't abuse them. Yeah. Love um, it. Yeah. And then so that's my recommendation for caffeine. And you said diet too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so back to the circadian rhythm discussion about sleep. So anybody who goes and watches that TED talk that I mentioned earlier will already understand this. Um, your body is not really designed to be digesting large amounts of food at night. Your digestion is keyed and sort of turned on and off by the sun. That's what all that research that I was talking about suggests or not suggests. I, I think that it proves it. So I would say to the DJs, um, you know, if you're really, really hungry after, after a set and after you put all the gear away, you need to eat you know, you need to eat enough that you're satiated, but more oftentimes, um, most people don't sleep as well on a full stomach. Mm. So they're kind of like walking this fine line, <laughs> working in this industry. If they're trying to maintain these things, um, it's definitely going to take a little bit of effort, but it can make all the difference in how they perform. 
So it's really going to be up to each individual. I would say eat a really big dinner before you go to perform. And ha- Tommy was on your was on here and talked about this a little bit too. Have small snacks and things to keep you going during the performance, but try to avoid really large meals after you know eight or nine p.m. because you'll adapt to it and you'll be able to function. But in the long term, you're really damaging your health. Um, it's not good for your gut. It's not good for your microbiome. It disrupts your sleep. And it's sending your body all these crazy messages about when it should be doing things and not doing things. So I would say have a, you know, have like a, a big meal around normal person dinner time in the evening, and then try to keep the meals relatively light after that, you know, within reason, it's going to be up to each individual, but just try not to have a giant full stomach at the end of your set for the sake of sleep. I'd much rather have your listeners go to bed, get some decent sleep and wake up and crush a big breakfast. Okay. Gotcha. I also heard yeah. Like uh, downing in like a glass of water to help satiate you too. Do you think that you would agree with that? Um, yeah. So to a certain extent, right? Because if they're performing, um, and that requires a lot of energy, you're expending a lot of energy when you're mixing and you're trying to pay attention to the crowd, you're trying to select songs, and you're trying to take requests, you're trying to do all, you know you're trying to do all of this stuff and you're having to stay focused the whole time. It's probably really exhausting. I can only imagine. So the problem with like drinking water to satiate yourself is you're not putting in any energy to replace the energy you're expending. Mm. Right. It's just filling the gap. It's like if somebody is sitting there on the couch, not doing anything. Yeah. Drink water, right. You can fast for a little while. You can have some time in between meals and it'll probably be good for you. But um, for somebody who's in the middle of actively doing something, if they're hungry, obviously they should be drinking adequate water. But if they're hungry, they should be having little snacks here and there. Try to keep their blood sugar up, like Tommy was saying. That was really good advice. Yeah, that's good. That's good news for the DJs out there. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Awesome. Hope it's helpful. Yeah. And so, uh, what about stress? Oh, that's that's a tough one. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's kind of like environmental stress, right? Not stress that, like you know some people may experience at a job that they hate. Right. Yeah. 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 So like, uh, working in a bar, that's a really intense environment. Um, the loud music, I'm sure you get used to it after a while, but just the general stress of performance or performing anything, right. Especially in front of people, that's going to stress, stress the DJs out. Um, and the really, really big one, regardless of industry is, Um, like you were saying, environmental factors, the biggest one being our cell phones. Mm, Okay. Screen time, especially if you're working as a DJ and you're staring at a computer screen for several hours a week, um, everybody would benefit from monitoring their screen time. um, Because the, like we were talking about with the light spectrum earlier, the sunlight is intended to be a mild stressor to sort of like get you to wake up. And when you're staring at your screen and that artificial light all day, it's very stimulating. And not only that, but our apps and social media and our phones themselves are super duper stimulating and reward um, system driven. And that's a stressor by itself. Um, the, the best things that I can say for stress are to just remove stimulation. That's my go-to. Throughout the day, right? So that way at nighttime, there's stimulation just because that's our job. But then yes. today, the next morning, maybe don't pull out your cell phone right off the bat when you wake up. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. 
um, make sure that you have at least it, it sounds kind of, you know, it sounds like it's not that big of a deal, but 20 minutes, 20 minutes of quiet, no stimulation. That means no cell phones, no music. And a lot of people freak out when you ask them to do this, especially, um, (laughs) Oh yeah. No artificial lights, just no stimulation, right? Just kind of like sit somewhere and just be present. Don't talk. Give yourself a little bit of quiet to offset all of the loud noise, you know, and the busyness of your day. You need to uh, do something to mitigate that because that's essentially what stress is, right? It's just stimulation. It's we get to it's usually manageable, but when it becomes an unmanageable amount of stimulation, we have to do the opposite to mitigate that. Yeah. Remove the stimulation for a while. Love that. Uh, yeah. And then um, breathing exercises are becoming really mainstream right now. They're super popular and effective there. And there are so many and you can just learn them for free on YouTube. And they're super duper effective. If, if somebody's feeling stressed out, they're feeling anxious, they're feeling overwhelmed. 15 minutes of intentional breathing a day changed my life when I was working at the restaurant and I was having anxiety attacks and stuff. Wow. So, yeah. Breathing routine that you uh, would be willing to share with the listeners right now. Um, Yeah. So (laughs) let's say after four years of trying to have learned about this stuff and reading books and, and having teachers and stuff, the, the most fundamental and basic thing. So people, everybody says, take a deep breath, right? Mm -hmm. So I just finished reading a book called breathe by James Nestor. If any of your listeners are into reading and they're geeky like me and they want to learn more about how they can hack their breath to have a really awesome life. um, Read that book. It's called breathe by James Nestor. But if you want just some really quick tips, a deep breath, a proper deep breath physiologically has been shown. The ideal deep breath is uh, six seconds in and six seconds out. Okay. Okay. I don't know why it's that number. Uh, it's in the book. Um, I didn't remember all the details, right? But six seconds in and six seconds out. Deep breathing anytime you have a minute or two, anytime you're feeling overwhelmed, or anytime you need to just be more calm, more present, maybe before you go out to perform, or maybe in the middle of performing, if you're if there's a lot going on and you're feeling kind of crazy. Seriously, 10 deep breaths, six seconds in, six seconds out. It's 120 seconds, it's two minutes, two minutes of breathing you will feel like a different person afterwards. Wow. So that's a, a proper deep breath, six seconds in, six seconds out. If you just want to sort of calm yourself down, chill yourself out, sort of put yourself in a different um, state of your nervous system, like a parasympathetic nervous system instead of the sympathetic nervous system, um, extending your exhales so that they're twice as long as your inhales does that. I don't know why I I don't remember the science, but this is something that's been talked about in yoga culture and philosophy for like thousands of years. And it's something that modern day science also supports now too. a good example of that breathe in for two seconds, breathe out for four seconds. It's literally that easy. Breathe in for three seconds, breathe out for six seconds, find a rhythm that feels really comfortable for you and do that. That will downregulate you. That will de-stress you on the spot. That will make you feel less frantic, anxious, whatever. Speaking of breathing, you know what feels really good? Hmm. Which is <laughs> breath in and deep breath out, right? Which is interesting. Yeah, a yawn is a full exhale. And um, the there's three lobes in your lung. 
Um, in order to fully exhale, you have to contract all three lobes, right? A lot of people are shallow breathers. They, they only breathe in and out with about 30 or 40%. But in order to breathe out fully, you have to contract all three lobes of your lung, lungs. Um, and the part of, parts of your nervous system that are responsible for rest and relaxation are connected to that third lobe that you can only engage with a full exhale. Mm, okay. So that's why the, the exhale being twice as long as the inhale, because that's a full exhale plus some. So we're making sure that we contract all three lobes of the lung. And just again, two to three minutes of that, you know, it's, it's a noticeable difference for pretty much everybody who I've shown it to. Would you encourage DJs to do the deep breathing exercise right before going to bed? That's if you want to go to sound, right? Yeah. If you want to go to sleep, if you want breathing, that's going to support sleep, I would recommend the extended exhale, exhaling twice as long as you inhale. Okay. Gotcha. That will put you to bed. <laughs> extended exhale, breathing and mm -hmm. snacks, light snacks. Yes. Yep. That's amazing, man. I think, I mean, again, like if you listeners aren't getting anything out of this, I don't know what will. Cause I mean, I'm learning stuff right now and I'm friends. With <laughs> I get to talk to the guy on the regular. <laughs> that's I hope I Nice well, man. Um, let's go ahead and uh, switch some gears here again. Uh, I'd love yep. to find out, like, do you have a coach or a mentor, or have you ever had a coach or a mentor? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, that's a, <laughs> that's like that's a really good point you brought up. Um, it took me way too long to figure this out, but like, nobody who's kicking butt and really you know making a lot of progress in one thing or really getting better at any one thing nobody does that without a coach mm, what what made you realize that um trying to do it yeah trying to do it on my own um having this silly idea in my head that i you know knew what i was doing or that i had to know what i was doing for whatever reason and then having the humility one day to be like you know what i'm not really getting better what would happen if I asked somebody for help? Mm -hmm. What would happen if I hired a coach or if I asked somebody to just help me with this, somebody who's more experienced than I am. And I put myself in that position where I was willing to learn and okay with not knowing anything. If I put myself in that receptive state, what would happen? Right. And the very first time I did that, I just, I learned, you know, I had been stuck. It was like with my yoga practice. I think I had been stuck for months, not really getting anywhere. And then I had the humility to ask somebody with more experience than me some questions. And within 20 minutes, my mind was just blown because I was like, oh my gosh, there's all this stuff that I didn't know. And I never would have known if I didn't have the humility to just ask. Mm, yeah. And have you found it, that it's actually like the person giving the advice is actually really excited to share the knowledge? Absolutely. And they, they always are, especially, but only if you're a truly receptive person and you're coming to them from a healthy place. Mm, where, yeah. yeah, where they can see that you're dedicated to what you're doing and you're, you know, you feel stuck and you need help and they can see that you actually believe in what you're doing and they're not going to be wasting their time on you. Yeah. Right. I, I think that the best coaches and mentors can acknowledge somebody who's actually going to listen to what they have to say and actually be receptive. And if they find somebody like that, they can't wait to share with you. Because what I've learned personally from all of my different coaches and mentors is that they all had coaches and mentors do the same thing for them. Yep. Yeah. It always, yeah. They, they had somebody at some point in their life 
where they came to them and said, Hey, I need help with this. And that person was just, I'm there for you. You know, might not even have charged them any money, just incredibly willing to help. And that literally put their life on a new trajectory because they were willing to like be a student and willing to be in that place where they could learn. It changed everything for them. I'd have to agree with you a hundred percent. Like it took me a while to get that concept down as well, that I was trying to go at it by myself, especially in the DJ industry, right? If you think about it, we're for the most part, solo acts, right? And we are in charge of our success. And so a lot of times we feel like, okay, well, nobody else is willing to help us. Therefore we have to pursue it ourselves and, and do all the work and the learning on our own. Right. Mm-hmm. The other th- side of it is that this industry is like filled with a lot of ego, right? Cause we're putting ourselves out there like celebrities almost. Right. So there's a lot of ego that comes in the industry. And then in addition to that, if there was someone bold enough or courageous enough to ask a fellow DJ that they may know that DJ might feel threatened to empower that other DJ to be successful because ultimately they're creating a competitor, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of toxicity in our industry, right? And I wish that like there was more of sharing the knowledge and your and willingness to build one another up because really a rising tide lifts all boats, not just one boat, but all boats, right? Yeah. You know, that, that cohesiveness, um, I've been in, in industries where it's very highly competitive and there is no cohesion between it's everything's a competition, right? Mm-hmm. I can't help you. I can't support you or anything because if I do, ultimately I could be hurting my own income because, you know, you could take one of my clients or you could book a gig that, that I would have gotten otherwise. Right. Um, so I've been in that position and I, I seen, I worked, uh, when I owned the bar, actually, we had competing DJs, we had your company. And we had like two or three other DJs at one point, and they were all kind of like trying to elbow their way in and to the point where they were even like splitting the cost and trying to split the set between multiple DJs. Like I've seen that a lot. It's like this DJ featuring this DJ and that DJ. And, um, that's about as cohesive as it gets. (laughs) Um, yeah. And then fortunately enough, I'm in a, in the arborist community now, and it's been interesting to see that that doesn't exist here it's like, it's very weird. Everybody's willing to help each other out. There's very little competition. Everybody's willing to share knowledge with each other. Um, it's like, it's part of the culture. I don't know how it got this way, <laughs> but, uh, at first it kind of threw me off. I was like, what, we're not competing with each other. And they're like, no, I'll teach you what I know. Do you need extra work? You know, can I teach you this thing? Can you teach me that thing even? Um, even with like one of my, um, one of my associates, he's been logging for 25 years. Every time we work together, we teach each other something. Mm. There's nothing about that. And he's always trying to build me up and empower me and help me find work. And I'm always trying to help him too. It's really, really cool. Um, so yeah, like in your industry, having to deal with that, I think that your I mean, we've talked about this a little bit, but as far as I can tell, you're like the only person who's actually trying to create unity amongst your community. Oh, and it rhymed too. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> it like you're trying to bring everyone together, man, and like unite the front of DJs so it's not this toxic competitive thing anymore. I think that's so cool. Like that could change the thing for everybody. Everyone yeah. could benefit. Well, thank you for that, man. Yeah. So I know you have so much wisdom in you and, and you've given some of your past mentors and, and coaches some credit. 
Uh, do you have any books that you've also like that were really profound that you would also attribute credit to um, your success to? Yes. Um, so the first one, I you may have. I think that Ben, you may have given me this one. It was either you or Chris. Um, the Go Giver. Oh, Go Giver. Yep. Yep. Have you ever read The Go Giver? Oh yeah. That book is, you know, you, again. To all your listeners, you know, you have to be in a receptive state. You have to be willing to accept some new ideas and stuff, you know, so you got to give it a chance. But that book was fundamentally like a game changer for me. Once I, if once I actually entertained the idea that giving for the sake of giving would ultimately yield a positive return to me, that's basically the gist of the book is just find a way to serve however you can do whatever you can to help as many people as possible. And that always yields a positive return on investment, right? Sounds super cheesy, whatever. Give it a try and then tell me, <laughs> you know, um, it, that was a game changer for me. Um, this book I got from you, I'm looking at my books right now. They're sitting right over there. Um, the, the one thing mm, you yeah. got that for me as a Christmas present. The one thing is a paradigm shift. If you read it properly and you actually apply what's in there, it causes you to look at every other every aspect of your life, anything that you have to do or anything you're responsible for or working towards, it gives you a framework for getting organized and focusing your, your attention and getting things done. And it's a, that's another game changer. So the go-giver, the one thing, and the next one's kind of a tough one. I'm going to go with Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty. Um, that book by itself, it's another one of those books, kind of like the one thing in the go-giver it's talking about foundational ideas and practices that if you apply them to your life and you make it a point to practice them and get good at them, they have a positive return on investment and it's really well-written. It's an enjoyable read and it's just filled with all kinds of good little, good little bits and things. I know that your listeners will get something of value, if not multiple things, if they read, um, think like a monk. <laughs> Amazing. And I'm assuming these books are also available on Audible, right? So they can listen to the audio version of it. Because uh, a lot of us DJs, we're, as you can imagine, more Audible learners, right? <laughs> and it's just more convenient, too, like uh, to listen on the go, you know, while we're driving somewhere or whatever else. Especially since we're about to listen to a bunch of music at gigs, we might actually consider putting on an audiobook on the ride to the gig, right? Yeah. Yeah. Audiobooks are great. I've gotten a lot more, um, been able to get a lot more information in since that, you know, I started actually using those. Yeah. Amazing, yeah. man. Well, I know that, uh, we've come to our time, so I really want to thank you so much, man, for spending time with us and really sharing your knowledge with the listeners. Uh, one thing I'd love to ask is how can people find out more about you? Oh my gosh. I'm pretty incognito now. <laughs> there was a time where I had social media and, um, you know, websites and, and stuff like that. Um, I don't know. I, I suppose, I don't know, man, I'm off the radar. Which is incredible by the way, right? <laughs> so talk about go giver, right? To be a giver. So a lot of times, you know, people want to be on podcasts to provide value in exchange for value in return, which is to be able to promote their stuff, right? Yeah. It comes down to, you've just shared so much of your just so much value to the listeners. And then when it came to me asking you, how can we provide you value in return? 
you're like, mm, there's not really much you can do. <laughs> I'm, um, I just, if anything that I shared was useful and um, helps, uh, you know, any of your listeners transition into becoming a full-time DJ or just they're already DJing and they got any information from this that, that helps their life in any way, that's good enough for me, man. Um, if anybody has more questions or they're like fully engaged and, and they need more assistance with anything that we talked about, or if I can help in any way, they can contact you and you can put us in touch and I'd be happy to talk to anybody and share anything of value that I can and help them out. Awesome. Sounds great. Well, in that case, uh, you know, you can just hit any of the social links inside the description. If you don't have access to the description for any reason, hit us up on social media at learn from DJU. As on Facebook, Instagram, and also on YouTube. All right, Jason, thank you again so much for spending time with us. We really appreciate you, man. My pleasure. See you soon, Ben. We hope this episode provided you with incredible value. Please leave us a review so we can learn from your feedback on ways to improve. Subscribe to the podcast and be notified when the next episode drops. Lastly, don't just listen to this podcast. Take massive, imperfect action.